Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Well, I was just telling Andrew, I just did a 15-minute Sports Center segment that will probably never air <laughs> as a backup in case there's storm. There's apparently storms in L.A. and they oh, may have to pull oh. the plug on the SB Sports Center live from the SBs, and so oh. they had to bank programming. You're like Wait, the, you. you're like the midnight Sports Center guy. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> it's <laughs> exactly right they should release it digitally and just call it vamp with brian winhorst <laughs> right i think when I, I think my low point when i was in bristol during free agency was like can we do a twelve thirty um sports center hit talking about the mavericks and cap space i was like oh my god but i gotta go to bed <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Hoop Collective Podcast, emergency podcast edition. It's not really that much of an emergency because the trade happened hours ago, but we all have responsibilities. Um, joining uh, us from Los Angeles and running the dials is Andrew the Han. Andrew, are you going to the SPs tonight? Uh, no. Several people have asked if I was going, and I said, what's that? And they said, it's something yeah. that your company's putting on. And I said, I don't know where it is. And they said, look outside. And I said, oh. Okay. It's literally right next door. There's a red carpet like that goes down the entire street. You, you didn't notice that. I don't. Anything? I didn't. I mean, I just don't want to put everyone else to shame with how well dressed I am. So I'm okay. really sparing that, them. That makes sense. Um, in Seattle is uh, trade grade master extraordinaire, and we'll be talking about his grades. I mean. Even though it's insider and technically you're giving away this for free here, but I guess we'll try to talk you into saying it, is Kevin Pelton. It, it's Kevin been up there for a few hours, so yeah, I think we're good. Okay, so if you were an insider, you were able to already read it and instead of waiting for this podcast. Um, and joining us from Naples, Florida, is our front office extraordinaire, Bobby Marks. Naples, right? Am I right? Is that where uh, you are? You are in Naples, Florida, where a 4 a.m. Uh, alarm went off this morning with the Kawhi Leonard bells ringing that uh, I certainly woke up a lot of people here. So I just want to say that I went back and looked at my email when I woke up and our desk sent Woj an email at, I believe, 2.45 a.m. or maybe it was 3.45 and he replied a minute later. <laughs> 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 yeah, what it was the an hell? early one. It was an early one and to um, the point where I tweeted something out and Sports Center said, Can you come on at seven fifteen? And this was at like four thirty. <laughs> what, what a mistake. Yes, what a mistake. Uh, I mean we kinda thought there was a chance it was gonna ha- I thought it was gonna happen Thursday, Bobby, because I knew that Masai was coming back from Kenya. He had a big um he had a big uh, event yesterday in Kenya. They opened up a um, an athletic center, and uh, oh, Barack Obama was there. It was something that was on everyone's schedules for a long time. And I knew he was scheduled to return Thursday. I kind of thought that's when it might happen. But um, did you think that you have inside information that was going to happen faster? That's why you I, had your phone by your head? 
<laughs> I thought it was going to happen last week, to tell you the truth. And I to the point where um, I changed my flight in, in Vegas to fly the red eye home Friday night instead of flying in the morning because I didn't want to be stuck in the middle of the air just because – and it wasn't because Vegas changed the lines all of a sudden, but I had just a feeling that – we were kind of going down that road with Toronto and San Antonio here and that, you know, Philly, Boston Lakers weren't really in the mix anymore. And, um, I thought we would eventually get to a, a deal, um, involving both teams. It was just kind of a matter of when. Brian, just so that I can have our I's dotted and our T's crossed, the Spurs very, very early Wednesday, July 18th in the morning traded Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green to the Raptors. For DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a protected 2019 first-round pick. Is this for posterity, for people who listen to this in the future? It's for, for years later when they dig it out of a time capsule and they say, like, what is okay. the Hoop Collective and why did they do one today? <laughs> okay, now, I see. Now they know. Okay. Um, so, Kevin, do you want to um, regale us with your grades and analysis of this? I'll let you. Uh, I think you should start with the Raptors. Yeah, for the Raptors, I went with an A minus. I mean, I, uh, you know, I I feel like this was a gamble well worth taking for them, but it is still a gamble. I mean, you've traded away a starter and nominally the uh, the the best player off of a team that had the best record in the Eastern Conference last year, but uh, also has had these struggles that it has had in the playoffs, uh, specifically against the Cavs. And maybe you know you, there was an argument that. With LeBron going to the Lakers, leaving the Eastern Conference, all of a sudden that opens things up for Toronto. I think that probably would be a a mistaken assumption given what we know about Boston and Philly and how much better they're going to be. And the fact that, you know, Toronto's playoff track record outside of playing Cleveland has not been stellar in its own right over the last few years. And, and DeRozan in particular has struggled in the playoffs to maintain his value. So, you know, even knowing that this looks very much like at most a one year rental of Kawhi Leonard because of his uh, unhappiness about the trade and, and the idea of playing in Toronto. You know, I still think that that was a risk worth taking because, you know, their 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 books were so heavily hit with DeRozan and Kyle Lowry's contracts the next couple of years here. They were going to be in the luxury tax anyway, anyway, probably next year as well. And, you know, I think this was the time for them to to make a, a, a bold move and, and try to become the best team in the Eastern Conference this year. And the Spurs. I gave them a D because, I mean, I think... Ouch. Yeah. Uh, Traded I mean, for really an all-star <laughs> on a long-term contract at less than the max, and they got a D, Bobby. Yeah, I, I, well. I would hate to be for Kevin to be my teacher when I was in grade school. <laughs> I think I'd still be in grade school. <laughs> well, as someone pointed out, I did, did give you guys a B on the, uh, the KG Paul Pierce trade. He did give us so, a B on the uh, Boston trade. <laughs> just, re- just, just resign now, Kevin. Resign. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what stood out to this is, you know, so I went to bed last night seeing those those late those early hours reports on Eastern Time and late hours reports on Pacific Time that the the Raptors and Spurs were closing in on this deal and that the framework was DeRozan for Leonard, which obviously is what we assumed it was going to be all along. But didn't know what the other pieces were going to be. That's what got filled in when I woke up this morning at 8 a.m., uh, I think about an hour after everything got finalized. And that they only got Jakob Pertl and a in this first round pick that is top 20 protected for only one year. Like if somehow things go disastrously wrong for the Raptors next year, the Spurs don't even get a first round pick out of this deal. And that to me is the real failure is kind of the everything else but the Kawhi for DeMar part of this trade. Bobby, um, 
how do you how do you assess the risk profile here that the Raptors had to put together? The 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 deal favors them clearly, but it favors them because of the risk they're accepting. Well, yeah, I mean they can. There's they're gonna have they're gonna have two options when this is all said and done. You know, either Kawhi Leonard is going to be a Toronto Raptor for the long haul, which is I mean we can all probably agree that's going to be the unlikely scenario, or they're going to hit the rebuild button here and wipe the slate clean in 2020, have a ton of cap space and have their young core to um, focus on. And I think that's a lot of the reason why um, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka were signed to three year contracts in, in 2017. And yeah, I mean, it's a, I mean, any trade is a risk. It depends on how, what level you put at. I mean, yeah, this is a risk for Masai. You know, you, you turn a 59 win team, but one that's, hasn't been able to get out of the Eastern Conference for five years um, and into a top level, top five player when healthy. Those guys are not easy to come by. You know, um, the Kevin Durant, the um, Steph Curry, the LeBron James of the world. When Leonard is healthy, he's a, you know, he's an all NBA first, first teamer. And knowing Masai, having dealt with him during the Carmelo saga in 2010, he is a confident man <laughs> and uh, in a good way. And he probably thinks to himself that I can, you know, give me a year with Kawhi Leonard and I can, um, you know, not convince him, but, you know, sell the Raptors or in-house recruit him as I sell, sell him on what we have in, in Toronto here. Will it work? I, it's, it's hard to say right now. Probably not. Um, but I like the move for Toronto just based on where this team was. Um, and I, even with the Rosen back, I thought they were kind of, I guess, third, third or fourth, probably in the pecking order in the Eastern Conference. The meeting with Carmelo is hereby canceled. <laughs> One of my favorite moments. One of my favorite moments. I still um, watch that YouTube clip. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I think Masai has been itching to turn this team over for two years now. I think he really molded over seriously after the 2017, uh, 2016-17 season when they got swept by the Cavs. He really sat there and said, do I want to fire Dwayne Casey and, and just let Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka walk? Because he really likes the guys he's drafted. And I think he molded over and he's like, all right, we'll bring it back. And he brought Dwayne Casey back and he re-signed Ibaka and Lowry, although on shorter deals. And then they get the number one seed in the East. And so I, I think he's still itching to, to do it. And I think he felt like this team had accomplished everything that it could, as you mentioned, Bobby. And this way, I think he hedges. He, I think they're going to be awesome defensively. If Kawhi's healthy, which is sort of the caveat to everything, um, I think about their defensive ability, um, their perimeter with the option to play Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, and OG Ananobi as their perimeter defenders. They can go with uh, Ibaka, who can still block shots, or they can go with Pascal Siakam as a real athletic five, and they can switch everything. Uh, Kyle Lowry is a um, major competitor. And then you think about their bench players, um, Fred Van Vliet, one of the best bench players in the league last year. C.J. Miles, who's an electric uh, scorer. And um, they, you know, they still have Jonas Valanciunas. Um, who am I forgetting? Um, they, uh, they just really have a beautiful seven, eight-man rotation 
They can play a lot of different ways. They can play big. They can play small. Um, and they're going to be able to shoot it. And uh, they have got a coach, Nick Nurse, who's going to really f- uh, focus on up-tempo offense. So I-, I think, to me, they are right there as now after this deal as one of the serious contenders. I almost might pick them number one because of uncertainty with Kyrie and, and Hayward. But um, I would I would seriously think about it. I think they have a, got a chance to be the best defense in the league. And so I think there's some worthwhile risk to it. That's my viewpoint. But Brian, all of that seemed to hinge on the fact that Kawhi is healthy and he plays. And health aside, uh, Chris Haynes did a lot of reporting this morning as well that apparently Kawhi doesn't want to be in Toronto and unhappy with all of that. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't even seem like the end of this chapter. It's like an interlude. Bobby, how would you play that if you were in the size shoes? I it wouldn't buy. I mean, you have to a little bit take into consideration. But all I know is that in in 2001, when we made that Jason Kidd trade from Phoenix, Jason Kidd wanted nothing to do with New Jersey, and East in Toronto is not East Rutherford. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I right. will say that. And uh, he did not come kicking and screaming, but he had I think a year and a half left on his contract, and he basically had the out you know he wanted to go elsewhere when it was said and done and we got we go to two finals and yeah of course his wife played a big role in convincing him to stay but um i think the important thing is to get him in toronto get him to get it you know take a physical uh which i'm sure everything will be fine well knock on wood hopefully we don't go through Kyrie part two from last year and get him in the in the system and then you know get you know get going in, in september when when training camp happens so yeah i Unless he no shows this, you know, the next week here when you know you have to report, um, then yeah, I don't, I don't really take it into consideration. I think really, there's rarely anybody that's really happy when a, you know, when a trade happens, just based on all the different different factors here. So no, I wouldn't. I think it's a little bit unique. I mean, because as we've talked all a length about that, you know, there is not the normal agent structure in place with Kawhi, where um, you know his uncle is his manager. Uh, I know Mitch Frankel is the agent on record, but it's not like um, Kawhi had um, Mark Barlstein or Jeff Schwartz, Leon Rose, some of the ma- named agents, and Masai was able to have communications there and, and be able to get kind of get a feeling out process. I don't, I don't believe this kind of really occurred with uh, in this case here. Do you think that they would waive the physical if, if Kawhi didn't report? Just hope that work it out over the long haul. If if that, that yeah, if that happens, that, that's fascinating, Brian. It, rarely do you do that. You waive it. Um, but I, I think we're at the point of really no return here. I, I think it would be hard for um, to avoid this type of deal if, if we ever got to that point um, to take DeRozan back. Um, you know, I, so would I do it? Uh, I think I would con- strongly consider it based on Leonard is on and expiring. I think if I was taking back Kawhi Leonard and he had you know four years, one hundred and fifty million dollars left, I would certainly think twice. But you know, if that was the case, he wouldn't be. In, be on the trade market right now well, well kind of what's the precedent here because the thing i thought of was the lamar odom situation where that trade wasn't actually completed and announced uh where he was going to go as part of the package for chris paul after the lockout in the same way that this one now has been you know made public and the teams have talked about it but you know he was so unhappy with the idea that he was going to be traded then when that when that trade was scuttled by ownership in New Orleans, which at that point happened to be David Stern, uh, that he ended up getting traded to Dallas because it was like the, we couldn't go on. I mean, do you, do you see a scenario with that, like that with DeMar if, if for some reason this trade got unwinded, unwound? Well, Kev, 
Well, Kevin, I thought that teams learned their lesson last year with the whole Kyrie saga and how you kind of handle the trade process because, you know, in, until that player comes and, and reports, takes a physical and passes, I mean, there, there really is no confirmation of a trade. I know it's hard right. to muzzle everyone for a week, but it's almost like you, you get to a point where you announce the tr- trade and say the trade is contingent on, on Kawhi Leonard reporting and passing a physical. Uh, and then we'll have further, we'll f- further have c- further comment down the road. I know it's hard in this day and age to do that uh, where we are with everything. Um, but I mean, that's almost like the approach, you know, especially when there's so many uncertainties with Leonard that teams maybe should go, go towards. Well, I don't want to go way off the rails here, but I mean, theoretically the Raptors could not void the trade, keep him. And then if he was still so fired up about not playing there, they could, tr- they could try to trade him. Yeah, well, I, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask. If the Raptors were to retrade Kawhi Leonard, let's say in this case at the deadline, do we think that they could get more young talent than San Antonio in, like, in terms of like picks and prospects no than San Antonio no, got out of no this deal? No way. No way. No. I mean, because you're, you're diluting. It's getting worse as it goes along. The asset dwindles. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like going through the wash. It does, but they gave, up this cali- <laughs> they gave up this caliber of pick for Serge Ibaka as a rental two years ago. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, Pirtle is a, a nice player. I don't want to dismiss his inclusion of this, but there's not really, you know, an example of a player this good being traded as a rental in at that in that situation. You know, guys, this really highlights the the amazing value of what could be with young players versus what is with current players. We see this with draft picks all the time, but you know the con, you know. You know, you gave him a D, Kevin, and I understand. I'm, I, I was having fun with you, but I understand why you did that. Um, they they traded for an all star in his prime, who's under a beautiful contract. Jalen Brown may may never be as good as Demar Derozan. I mean, we we think he will be, but he may not be. Markel Fultz certainly has a long way to go before you get to Demar Derozan. Um, Brandon Ingram is no Demar Derozan. I mean, again, we feel like he's going to grow into that, but. You know, that it's it's fascinating the way we look at things. We look at draft picks and we look at young players who still have growth potential as somehow being more valuable than something that is real, something that's sure. I mean, one thing we know, DeMar DeRozan is going to get to the foul line, hit mid-range shots, um, you know, come to work every day, make no uh, waves in the locker room. G- generally, he's generally a, a good guy in the locker room. Like the Spurs have kind of a known quantity here, as opposed to a bunch of unknown quantities, um, and yet we kind of feel like, wow, they could have done better. It's a, and I'm not arguing with that. I'm not saying that I would not have applauded them somehow getting Jalen Brown. I'm just saying it's just funny how we look at talent in the NBA. I mean, I I just remember, you know, I always uh, you know think about guys like Channing Fry. Like I remember Channing Fry. He had a really good rookie year with the. Um, with the Knicks. Do you remember this? Yep. And there was the, like, there was like, Oh, Channing Fry is untouchable. <laughs> or, you know, we're never Channing Fry. I love Channing Fry, by the way, he's a journeyman, you know, every good young player on the Knicks is untouchable though. Right. But like, like we're everybody right now is excited about OG Ananobi and I'm excited about him too. I really like him, but are we sure that OG Ananobi is, um, is, um, uh, not, is that DeMar DeRozan is not going to be still better than OG Ananobi in three years? It's just a funny spot where in the league, I mean, 
very rarely do you see an all-star in his prime under contract get traded like this. Well, I, Brian, I, I, I might think OG Andy Nobody's better now. <laughs> when we when we were trying to trade Jason Kidd, I mean, it's, it was almost a similar situation. I mean, Kidd was a little bit older, but Sean Livingston was off the was untouchable in, for the Clippers before his injury, and because he was on a rookie contract, and Andrew Bynum was off limits for the Lakers, um, and he was there were two young players, and you knew what you were kind of getting with. Um, you know, kid. I mean, he was still he was still thirty two, thirty three. But you knew what you were getting with an established all star in, in Jason Kidd, and it's almost like that. And that was um, you know ten years ago. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And I mean, I like Ananobi a lot too, Kevin. But he's not Demar Derozan. I mean, the the thing about Demar Derozan is first off, he's doing all of that for you at the offensive end, and then is giving a lot of that back at the that, defense okay. end, which is Fair. why the Raptors have been better with him on the bench basically every season. And then also he's doing that in the regular season. So if you're the Spurs and you're doing all this, you know, you're building for right now by getting a player who's in his prime and is making, you know, 27 million a year. So you got to be able to win right now. How good do we think this Spurs team led by DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge can be? Well, Kevin, you're the person to ask for that. Uh, I mean, I haven't run any of the projections on it yet. Uh, Shaney, what about Shaney? This would be the RPM projections in this case. But, uh, okay. I, you know, I think that – so I, I think Golden State is clearly a tier ahead of everyone else at this point. Houston, with their losses this offseason, has slipped out of that tier, but I think is still ahead of everyone else. And then you've got – OKC with a re-signed Paul George. You've got whatever it is the Lakers are going to be this year. You've got Utah, and I think San Antonio is in that that group. There. What about Minnesota? I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't put the Lakers necessarily. Well, LeBron. Yeah. No, but no. He's pretty good. <laughs> he is quite good. What Denver, about Denver? Got, yeah. yeah. I mean, even New Orleans. We'll see how you know Julius Randle and Alfred Payton replace Rondo and, and Cousins. I mean, you know it's. None of the, none of these teams are probably assured a playoff spot. We haven't even mentioned Portland, which was who was third in the conference right. last. Year. I agree. I agree. It's it's rough. So that's it's why. I mean, I think it was a really exceptionally poor time for San Antonio to be thinking about winning now, but you know, probably the timeline of Greg Popovich at his I'm age. I'm not sure they had much of an option uh, because I think I think that their chances of going long term with a young player. Or being rebuffed. Yeah, I mean, the best young talent was surely off the table. That's true. I guess that's true. Um, so, Bob, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, last year, DeMar DeRozan talked about um, his, and he, and he was applauded for it. I applaud him. Uh, his occasional mental health struggles. And I, I think he was talking about anxiety issues that he has. Um, as you're doing background research and stuff on a player, how much concern is that if you're San Antonio? especially if you've got his team that has him right now kind of looking to trade him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that you have you have a foundation in place with your support staff, um, you know, from a team psychologist, player development there. Um, I think if you are – and this is interesting too, Brian, because as I said all along, I mean, San Antonio is in uncharted waters, you know, with doing this. You know, they, as they say, they draft, develop, and retain. They never really trade their own and – uh, RC is not known for making many trades here. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you've got to do, it's almost like you, how you handle the draft process. You got to do a full scale background. The only thing is, is that 
unlike draft picks, you're not doing a, a whole mental breakup here. So you're doing your interviews. You're doing your. Um, you can't talk you know, to the player, right? No, I mean, theoretically. No, no, you can't. And that was another thing too. And I, I think I mentioned that on a on a Woj podcast is that like, if I thought that San Antonio could maybe get more leverage or maybe something you know, maybe a little bit more appealing if they did give it 48 hour window when teams were allowed to talk to DeRozan and maybe the, um, offers maybe were a little bit you better. Mean, uh, I just you mean Kawhi? I mean, yeah. for our Kawhi. Yeah. If, um, where they can uh, talk with Kawhi. I mean, we did it with Carmelo back in 2010, but, um, they didn't do that and they were pretty adamant about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you have to take a, take into consideration, you know, the, the, you know, and he has been, there's been a lot of players been open about it that, you know, the, 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 the uh, the psychological um, impact, and I think when you get him uh, to San Antonio, I think that's kind of have to be you have to surround him with the right people. Um, also, couldn't they have maybe waited to see if he showed out at the Team USA? I mean, it's still up in the air whether he participates. But what if he had gone to Team USA and just kicked everyone's ass? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then then you would have maybe seen if he would, you know that because that was the that was always the mystery, you know, the health. You know, right. and it's, it's so hard when you're in the off season to make a deal for a player coming off an injury. That is so hard to do. Um, and because, you know, besides giving him the physical, I mean, you're not going to let him go play five on five and see, like, all right, he's good. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're kind of going in with blinders on. So, yeah, you could have waited. Um, I mean, my question for San, for San Antonio was, is, was this deal going to be on the table a week from now? And I think it would have been, right? I right. mean, like, where well, how the even structure if, was. Yeah. Right. I mean, even if the Raptors tried to play hardball, I mean, you know, were they going to move on to another trade for DeMar DeRozan? I don't think so. Yeah, not at this stage of the offseason. So may, do you think do we think that maybe the Spurs wanted to get this deal done before that training camp? I, I don't know. Maybe they didn't believe he'd show. I don't know. I just, you know, as you're mentioning there, Bobby, if you're the Spurs and you're searching for some measure of leverage, how do you create leverage when you have none? You know, I mean, that would have been an opportunity. I, I don't know. I mean, we, we don't have all the information. That's what's so challenging about this. Um, and it's, it's, it's also just unclear to me. The Spurs very clearly, there's a lot of animus there between the Spurs and Kawhi. It's, it, it, I'm not, I don't think I'm missing anything. I mean, there's real venom there. Um, yet Greg Popovich said to, he, can, he implied today in his, um, in his press conference that he has been regularly communicating with him. So I just, I just don't understand. I, there's a lot about this relationship that I don't quite understand. And it's, I guess, because I don't have the, all the information. Well, you could just look at the press release from San Antonio and, and no kidding. I mean, that describes everything when it was basically, you know, Kawhi, if you, if you just jumped off a plane from another planet, you would think that Kawhi Leonard was a role player on it on a Spurs team, you know, you know, played with the team for eight years and averaged 16 points a game. I mean, that was it. You know, <laughs> I mean, like that was it. I mean, at least like in DeRozan, they kind of gave him some accolades here. I know they didn't, I know that Chris Haynes had tweeted that they didn't thank him, but I mean, the Kawhi thing, I mean, they made more to do about Danny Green, who was, you know, certainly a serviceable player, but I mean, here's like, you know, I mean, you can make the argument that they should probably retire his jersey down the road, which who knows, that's probably up for another debate. Well, I always think that um, I always think that time heals all wounds. Um, and I mean, look, uh, Shaq got his jersey retired in Miami, and there was hellacious things said about that. Shaq and Kobe are buddies again. Um, the only one I'm I'm not so sure about is uh, um, Ray Allen and the Celtics. I thought 
time would heal all wounds, but it's been five years and they're further they're further apart than, than they were five years ago. Well, so, Ray keeps Ray keeps picky at the wound. That's not helpful. Yes, the uh, book tour was not necessarily the most uh, best best one. Okay, so going forward here, where do you see the Raptors now in the East, guys? I mean, I think Bobby said earlier that, or, or you said earlier that uh, you thought that they were the best team in the East now, and and I, I think so too. I mean, as good as Philly and Boston are, there's still a lot of things that, you know, Toronto was better than both of those teams last year. They were, and I think this is a substantial upgrade. We haven't talked really at all. You mentioned Danny Green there and and his role in that press release, like. Getting him is just an incredible coup here. I, you would have he's assumed just, there was going to be another you think veteran he's player. Start at two guard, don't you think? <sighs> so then you'd bring Anunoby off the bench. Well, I'm not sure. Uh, I suppose so. You, you know, Lowry's your point guard. Kawhi's your three. You could start a Baca at five and bring a Valanciunas off the bench. They they moved Valanciunas in and out of the starting lineup, or you could start Valanciunas and play a Baca at four. And um, and you could play Ananobia too, but you could also play. You could also start. You know, if you really wanted to be super athletic, you could start Ananobi, Leonard, Green, and Ibaka. Yeah, I mean, I think we assume that's probably going to be their best lineup come playoff time. Uh, you know, but your point about Danny Green is, and then the funny thing is, I don't think the Spurs really want to trade him, but they had to do it because no other single contracts worked. Mm. To make the trade work, is that right? Like this? Yeah, they, they, it was they short. Didn't, they, I think it was like short, like two and a half million dollars. Just those two guys, like one on one. So yeah, I mean, you had to. You had to. I, I originally, I thought Pau Gasol was going to be in it. I, I thought they were going to try to salary dump him onto Toronto um, to try to, and that would have been a uh, that would have been a nice tax hit for the for the Raptors taking back that yeah. money, and then for next year also. So. Um, yeah, I mean, Patty, Patty right, Mills get, would have been the other possibility, yeah. and that would have gotten the Spurs to the point where their only salary besides rookie contracts in tw- the summer of 2020 would be DeRozan and Aldridge, who both have player options. Or, well, that sorry, just show, that Aldridge, just shows Aldridge you, is partially guaranteed. I'm, I'm misreading that. That just shows you the leverage that Toronto felt they had here. Yeah, because they really clearly were like, no, you're only, you know, you're not getting Ananobi. No, you're not getting Siakam. And we want Danny Green. Don't send us Pau Gasol. Send us Danny Green. We don't need Pau Gasol. I mean, and, you know, we'll give you a first-round pick for one year, you know, with heavy protection. You know, I, you know, this, the, the Raptors <laughs> won on a lot of – they checked a lot of boxes on this exactly. one, if you ask me. Yeah. You ask me. Um, Bobby, what do you think about the Raptors in the East? Well, I mean, if the stars align and, you know, the Leonard health, yeah, I mean, I think they are, you know, from – from top to bottom, I mean, they they are deep. I mean, we didn't even talk about CJ. They still got CJ Miles. Yeah, he's uh, a there. gunner and a half. Um, they've got a couple roster spots open. Hell, so. Fred, Delon Wright. Like, a, like if I yeah. were the Spurs, I would have yeah. said, "Hey, could you could you yep. send Delon Wright? I'll take Delon Wright. I know they've got guards, but geez." Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you looked at the young core, um, um, uh, well, what they have with uh, with Wright, Siakam, OG, um, 
you know, uh, you know, Proto was probably number four or five on the list <laughs> of like, you yeah. know, he was like the last man. Yeah. Yeah. For them yeah. How would from. you, Kevin, how would you rank the, just rank for me, the Raptors young players, including Pirtle. How would you, how would you, I would think we'd rank Ananobi one, right? Either Ananobi or Van Vliet. Those okay. guys would be, be one Fair. and two. Pretty clearly I, I love, I love Van Vliet. Okay. But Van I, Vliet's not tradable. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not was an eligibility part of this trade. Um, then I would probably go right. Uh, well, I, I think Wright, Pirtle, and Siakam are all probably in the same tier, and that Van Vliet and Anunoby are in a different tier. I would say. Okay, I like Siakam more than I like Pirtle because he's so versatile, and yeah. he really stepped forward. I, I thought his offensive game really improved this last year. Bobby, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, uh, Proto's. I mean, he's a serviceable, you know, serviceable five. I mean, um, you know, and he's on a and he's one of those, one of those manageable con- rookie contracts there. So yeah, I mean, I I like Van Fleet. I like Delon Wright. I mean, I like Siakam. I like OG. So he would probably be, you know, uh, unless I'm missing somebody, probably five on my if my top five of the young core in Toronto. By the way, one last shiv. To the Knicks for the Bargnani trade, Pirtle was the draft pick <laughs> that they got that they helped turn into uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Um, just one, one, one last thank you very much uh, on that whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I like the Raptors. A couple of things in the league I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, what did you guys? So uh, Woj has reported that Marcus Smart is nearing a contract re- extension, or I guess it's a new contract with the Celtics for eleven to twelve million a year. Uh, I thought Marcus Smart would play out on the qualifier and go test his himself on the market next year. If they get him for eleven to twelve a year. Uh, yes, it pushes them into the tax, although they may be able to wiggle out of it depending on how things go throughout the season. I think that's a win for them, keeping him at that price. What do you guys think? To me, I think it's probably a win-win because you know he would have had to get about $14 million a year probably next season to uh, match what, you know, on like a three-year deal to match what he's going to get on this over four years, uh, given the difference of his qualifying offer. And I don't know, I don't know if anyone's ever going to pay him quite as a starter because of his weaknesses. So I think that's probably at the high end of what he would have gotten last year or next year. Uh, what do you think, Bobby? Yeah, I, you know, just the sense in Vegas last week was that what Brian said, that the $6 million qualifying offer was going to be what he was staring at or, you know, could they try to find a sign and trade, you know, with another team? And that was going to be um, logistically tough just based on um, a lot of different base year taking back players for Boston here. So, yeah, I mean, for if you can get them on 10, 11 million per year, it's a little bit north of the mid-level, even though you do go into the the tax. I, I always look at restricted free agents as trade assets down the road, I guess, unless you're like Myers Leonard, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're overpaying Oops. guys. And then you're trying to move and you can't. But I think Smart will still have value if he's, you know, as long as you, as long as you price it right. And, you know, and he fits them. You know, he doesn't, he's not a fit for everyone, but he, he's a perfect fit for it for Boston. That the other Myers interesting Leonard, thing. Th- that Myers Leonard contract was, 
wasn't that like an, a mid-August deal, or did it just feel like mid-August? To me? It, was uh, it was like, a late, a late July. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, wait a minute, there why was did no you? Market. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, Kevin. Yeah, the other thing about them re-signing Marcus Smart is one of the weird problems the Celtics faced is they didn't have a lot of tradable salary. That would would have been an issue for them if they had wanted to deal young players for Kawhi. Is you know they would have had to to probably like, include like Smart Spurs, in the sign-in trade. Like the Spurs just. Uh, Ran into a Danny Green. Yeah, I've actually had executives tell me, hey, if you want to dream of trading for uh, Anthony Davis or dream of trading for Giannis Antetokounmpo or whatever the Celtics want to do, you kind of need, you know, mid-scale salaries to include to make that work. And uh, that's another reason why uh, they would do that. Okay, one more thing I want to bring up. Um, what's going on with uh, Nemanja Bilica? Now, I don't want to talk about Bilica, the player, really, but... He agreed to a um, uh, a one year room room uh, exception deal, four and a half million dollar deal with the Seventy Sixers. It was the only meaningful addition the Sixers made this year in free agency, um, I, I, unless I'm forgetting something. I mean, they did add draft picks, but this was like their big year. Um, am I missing a player? Right, they didn't bring anybody else in, right? They just re- they resigned oh, Wilson Chandler. They made that oh, trade. I, I yeah. take that right. I, I take that back. You're right. But anyway, um, I was thinking signings, but you're right. They did. Uh, but, you know, they were thinking Paul George. Could they get in on Kawhi Leonard? Could they get in on LeBron James? And they end up with Wilson Chandler. I mean, he is a fine player, but not exactly the summer of your dreams. Bielitsa pulls out of the deal, which I want to ask you about in a second, Bobby, uh, because he apparently wanted to stay in Europe for his family. But then today we have reports I think Shams reported this from Yahoo that he's now negotiating a long-term deal with the Kings. Um, excuse me. What the <laughs> hell? If I'm the, if I'm the Sixers, I'm pretty pissed off right now. What, uh, this, by the way, calls to mind. I remember, um, you, I know you guys remember this. John Salmons circa 2006 ish agreed to a contract with the, with the Raptors asked out of the contract, ended up signing with the Kings for more money than he committed to to the Raptors. And then he said, because John was a very religious or is a very religious man, and he said that God told him to go to Sacramento. And while I don't necessarily disbelieve him on that, it was like God and $4 million. <laughs> um, but what the hell? Like, if I'm the, K, if I'm the 76ers, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what, what happened here, Bobby? Well, it's funny that the the loyalty card is uh, being thrown around on a day where DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard are are questioning the loyalty card here. But yeah, I mean, it's and it's it's hard for the for the, how the Sixers front office reacts, Brian, because uh, he is a Wasserman client. Uh, I believe he's represented by Jason Rainey, who also has Clay Thompson. So when you go into the outrage of yelling at them. Or and cursing them up and down. You also have to remember that these guys also have good players in free agency next year and, and down the road. But I know I would agreements in agreement. Oh, I, oh, I know. <laughs> and I would have rather be. Uh, I'd rather him uh, him say that I was looking for a long term contract, <laughs> not going really? to go back to Europe. <laughs> but he, but he did say that. So like the only interview I've seen with him was John Krasinski of the Athletic Minnesota. And his explanation, he didn't say there specifically, he said, I'm looking at my alternatives in Europe. 
and not I'm going to Europe. And and he did say in there that, you know, he he was kind of considering the possibility of uprooting his family to Philly and only being there for eight months because obviously they're not. Yes, but he agreed to the contract. This was, I, I mean, I mean, I get it. I mean, you're, yeah, I don't again, I don't question the explanation. But, sir, like July 1st or 2nd, you agreed to the contract. The, the team proceeded through its free agency. What yeah. the hell are we talking about? And, and nobody's out there for them to sign now, which oh, is yeah. what sucks for the Sixers. What, what I would probably do, Brian, is that I would drop him as a client. I would, do, I would pull the, uh, the, the Carlos Boozer card. And I know this is different when Boozer basically screwed over to Cavs back when. And, and um, I know Oren Talum, who was – I think Rob Plink was the agent of record. In, yes, um, he was. I, and I believe Oren – I think both of them were gone. <laughs> I think Rob and, and Carlos were uh, no longer part of. The, yeah, it was actually uh, ended up great. <laughs> yes, uh, Rob went out on his own, ended up creating a very successful uh, practice. <laughs> so, but yeah, nobody ever heard of, nobody think, ever heard of that from that guy again. Yeah. That's right. Whatever uh, happened to Rob Palinka? It screwed his career. I, I think a former twenty three slash eight went with him too. So yes, that's correct. That was a nice. Uh, it's always nice to start your agency with uh, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, but this is a this is I have not seen a um, especially this late in the summer backing out of a deal two weeks into the free agency the Sixers are stuck with the tax mid level. There's nobody out there really for free agency, and it's basically they're just going to sit on that. And it was a need. It was something. It was a need, um, you know, for mm-hmm. them. It's just uh, further evidence to try and get rid of the moratorium, right? Like, there's no reason to announce these deals and have to wait for how was it six days this year. Well, but they've yeah. knocked the moratorium in half. It used to be 14 days, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, it was long. In the old days, how long at the longest time was the um, unrestricted free agent? How long did you have to match in the in the in like you know 15 years ago? What was was it, it seven se- or is it 10 days? I don't even. I don't. I, I mean, originally it was seven. It was the previous CBA. Wait, Kevin was 72 hours. This is now two. Is now it's forty-eight. It was seventy-two, but it was lo- yeah. I mean, I think it was like a week. It was I at mean, least like, a week. Yeah, it was long. I mean, we had. Um, uh, I think we we. I'm trying to think who we had an offer sheet on, but yeah, I mean, Todd, Todd McCulloch, we did an offer sheet. I mean, I took a train down to Philly with the offer sheet, knocked on Billy King's door, and dropped it on like I was serving him papers, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and got back on the train and came and came back to New Jersey. And I think we had like a – Billy, I think, sat on it for like a week. Yeah, there's, it, was, it, it was 15 days. In the, 15 the, days? That's what I thought. Attitude. That's what I thought. Oh, my God, I remember that. So – and like, so think about the difference. And by the way, this wasn't 19, you always hear back in the seventies, the players travels commercial. This was like 10 years ago, eight years ago, 15 days. Can you imagine that? We're only like 18 days into free agency. So the moratorium would have ended back in those days, like July 11th or so. Then you signed the guy and you had to like July 26th. I mean, that's just, it's crazy to think about now, but that's the way it rolled. So, Bobby, what is the etiquette? I know there's like an etiquette for delivering offer sheets, right? Like you're supposed to do it by hand. Um, and like I, I've talked to some executives who like they've gone out to dinner and the team who gave the offer sheet will buy, you know. But like, like is, is there like a recognized etiquette or is it just like here? It's sent by email now. Well, yeah. Well, the Jeremy Lin offer sheet, remember 
remember when Toronto, or Houston signed him and then like basically like the, the Knicks like uh, shut their blinds and re- pretended nobody answered the door when <laughs> Houston couldn't oh. drop it off. Right. <laughs> that changed everything. And now we've got, we got to, to, to the more technology aspect of it where there is a central location that the NBA provides from an email perspective where the offer sheet goes to. So that ended all that. I mean, I mean, Washington last year, from an etiquette standpoint, um, you know, when they matched that that um, that Nets offer sheet on um, Otto Porter, I mean, they did something unique where they like took like instead of the two days, they took like four, they matched it, and then they dragged it out for another two days for him to like pass the physical. So they really right. tied the Nets cap space in. So yeah, I mean. I think if you're like Chicago with Zach Levine, you know, when you basically came out like literally an hour after that, hey, we're matching. And, then, right, right, um, right. you know, so if you know, I, I guess it's more about who, what your relationship is with um, with the te- other team or with that team. I mean, if that team puts in trade kickers and advanced payments, maybe you want to drag it out a little bit more. Yeah, I guess that there's some see if it's a hostile offer sheet. Like like you just talked about Todd McCullough, my first ever offer sheet I ever covered was on Jake Sakalides. <laughs> was that Memphis? Uh, he was with Memphis. The Cavs signed him an offer sheet, and Memphis matched the next day. And I remember the Cavs issuing a thank you to Jerry West for not making them wait 15 days. It was like, you know, a $3 million offer sheet. You know, like, I don't know how much it was, but that's just <laughs> going back on that whole thing. But, yeah, that's there was a, there was a was, everything was was so wild back then. I, and like you're talking about Boozer, Boozer was a restricted free agent, and um, so the Jazz did their whole thing. The Cavs weren't able to match; they didn't have full rights on it. Was different different day and age, and so Boozer was playing with Team USA that summer. They were going to Greece, the uh, team that won the bronze, and LeBron was on Team USA with him, and he actually left Team USA. They were going through their training camp. Went to Utah, signed his offer sheet, and like came back and said, "Sorry, LeBron, you know, not on your team anymore." Um, so yeah, I remember that. All right, well, is there anything left to be said on this Demar Derozan thing? You guys, is there anything that you guys want to bring up before we? I should say Demar Derozan. It's really the Kawhi Leonard trade. I shouldn't say Demar Derozan trade. <laughs> Hopefully, he reports and passes his physical for everyone's um, uh, mindset here. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need another two weeks of Kawhi watch. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, to go back to our question of how good the Raptors are, the more I think about it, the more I think there's a they might be the second best team in the league. Yeah, I feel if like Kawhi's healthy. If Kawhi's healthy, absolutely. I, the thing that occurs to me is that the Raptors gave up, I mean, setting DeMar's all-star status aside, per, very little, and everyone keeps on talking about Kawhi wants to go to the Lakers, but... He also just wants to be in LA. Like they could probably get the value, not DeRozan included, back from the Clippers if it goes sideways really fast. You mean on a signing trade? Oh, oh, you mean like midseason? Yeah, midseason. Like why? Like well, what about from the Lakers? I mean, but the, but the Lakers would just roll the dice, wouldn't they? Like oh, I see what you're saying. Right. I see what you're well, saying. By the way, do we consider the Lakers winners here because of the fact that Kawhi ended up going to a place where he seems somewhat less likely to resign than if he had gone to Boston or Philly? I don't think we can call anybody a winner or a loser today. <laughs> okay. No, it's a, there's a lot to, uh, although to be you, determined. You had to give grades. Um, uh, by the way, uh, I, I like Nick Nurse. This is not anything Nick Nurse, but how pissed off is Dwayne Casey today? Uh, a lot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, he got a beautiful contract. I mean, he's just fine, but like, 
And it's and it's like it's a lot of pressure on a rookie coach, man. Now you've yeah, got yeah, if he's if he's listening to this and Kevin just said he's got the second best <laughs> team in the NBA, that is a lot of pressure for a rookie coach. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean I mean, do you think though if Masai had known that he was gonna be able to pull off this trade that the the coaching search might have gone any differently? Of course it would have gone differently. Again, no offense to Nick Nurse. But that's one of the crazy things about the NBA offseason is sometimes the coach you know, David Blatt. Yep. You know, if the Cavs knew they were getting LeBron James and Kevin Love, with all due respect, they would not have hired David Blatt. Um, not that that's what this is going to be, but um, I mean, I, I the Raptors probably put in a call when Kawhi demanded the trade out of due diligence, but you couldn't have thought at the time that they were a top three or four option. It sort of developed that way. Things just sort of fell into place for them. Right. Or even that the um, offer would drop to what it what they actually got Kawhi for. Yeah. I want to give Bobby credit though. He did he did call it when we were doing this piece after LeBron went to the Lakers about what's going to end up happening with Kawhi and we went through like, you know, Boston's probably not going to work, Philly's probably not going to work and he threw Toronto out there long before anyone else I think was mentioning them. And that was without insider information. It was just your analysis. Yeah, I well, mean, we, I but, think we but you wouldn't have we thought running this, out of teams. Right. But you wouldn't. Really? But you we, wouldn't yeah. even even. Okay, let's just say we had had that conversation on July second or whatever, and we said, "Well, what's the Toronto offer?" You wouldn't have thought that it would have been this low. No, right? you, I, I mean, right. I thought it would have been DeRozan definitely just based on the salary and the name. I thought it would right. been a. I thought it would have been you know Delon Wright and a protected at a minimum top fourteen pick. I mean, like, that's a pretty good thing. I mean, that's fair, you know, but a, I mean, a top, tw- I mean, a, t- a top 20 protected pick is the equivalent of when, when, um, Philadelphia, uh, uh, Golden State, I'm uh, not going to say, uh, Oklahoma City traded a top 20 pick for, for Jeremy Grant. And even right. then, Philly, oh, yeah, yeah. The Philly only got one year on that one. <laughs> yeah. Too, so, yeah, it's the same thing. Was there a Lakers trade that could have been made here that wouldn't have included Brandon Ingram that was anywhere near comparable to this? Like, would would Julius Randle in a sign and trade plus Josh Hart plus the protected first, like lottery protected first, is that comparable? To, like, what, was there a way for the Lakers to, to compete with this without giving Brandon Ingram? I mean, I would say no, just because of the standpoint that it seems like this is the kind of player that San Antonio wanted. I agree. I think in, in for L.A., I think they just they ran out of players. You know, I mean, back be, before LeBron committed, um, I mean, you're you're. I mean, remove Dang from the equation. I mean, you're work, you're working off a small, you know, small sample of guys to try to yeah <clears throat> try to get it all worked out. I am just fascinated that after pressing the Cavs for veterans, after quote as he said many times over, let's make the most out of this season. He said that repeatedly last year. That LeBron is cool with just you know letting it chill for a year. Um, if the if the roles were reversed, LeBron would have been pressing the hell out of the Cavs for. For Kawhi. Now, maybe they couldn't have executed it. Maybe the Cavs wouldn't have had the assets to do it. But, I mean, LeBron would have wanted Kawhi Leonard. LeBron, let's put it this way. Let's say LeBron had re-signed to Cleveland for a year. You think LeBron wouldn't have been pushing them to trade Colin Sexton for Kawhi Leonard? But but the difference is Cleveland wouldn't have had the opportunity to potentially sign Kawhi as a free agent and keep those guys, too. I mean, fair point. But, I mean, this is about, you know, LeBron's going year to year. At least he was. You know, it was a pretty significant shift. Um, and I know what his, the, the, what, what he is selling and what I'm sure he'll say la- next week 
or I guess it's in two weeks when he gives his press conference is that he, that, you know, when he came back to Cleveland, he didn't come back for the talent that it was, but I just throw a flag on that. Kyrie Irving was a stud, multi-time all-star signed to a long-term contract. And within a day of him recommitting to the Cavs, Kevin Love was pretty much in the fold. It took uh, 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 you know, a month to execute it, but they knew they were going to get Kevin Love. So I sort of roll my eyes at that narrative. He knew that team was going to be great. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm surprised by it. It does seem like the uh, the Spurs overplayed their their position because the best. I think even at the time, like right after the draft, we were saying that the best offers they were going to get were probably around then, and this is much worse. But we don't know what the what the what the Lakers actually offered. Right. In in theory, they could have offered a second round pick because they had cap space. Right. You know. Um, I, Brian, um, I know you don't do predictions, but uh, KP Bobby, July eighteenth, twenty nineteen, is Kawhi going to be on the team that he plays the season for? Highly unlikely. Right. <laughs> the team that he ends the season for or starts the season for? Oh. 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 Okay. That might change my answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still think the answer is no, but that that might be different. This is so. It's just uh. We're all predicting a season long. Uh, what is we need like a snappy term like the melodrama, the kawatch. <laughs> Good year. job, Andrew. <laughs> well, it'll be like Paul George like last year, right? You know, I mean, I think uh, Toronto will be better. I mean, get, you know, be better than Oklahoma City um, was, but it will be like you know what happens when, if Toronto uh, struggles and we get to January and you know they're a six or a seven seed i don't think they will be but do we get to a point where we say like does it does messiah have to start looking for offers for Kawhi leonard yeah yeah uh, in, that would in, be interesting instead of Kawhi, should it be kawaire two or kawaire next <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you for listening to the uh, dupe collective podcast I enjoyed this one, guys. Um, thank you to Kevin Pelton. Thank you to Bobby Marks and Andrew Hahn. Have a good week, and everybody. Thanks, guys. Uh, can I hit the bossa nova?